We're back. I'm Ron Alesco. And again, if those of you tuning in today, uh, you're obviously you're tuning in on the internet because our uh, transmitter is, is off today due to the heat. Uh, we had a little air conditioning problem and we didn't want the transmitter to get damaged. So unfortunately, we had to shut down. But rest assured, it's being addressed and uh, WFDU will continue. And uh, again, I'm glad you're with us on our stream today. And would also love to hear from you if you're listening in on the internet. You can contact me either through Facebook. Just look for WFDU Traditions, or uh, you can email me at WFDUTraditions at AOL.com. Well, right now, a gentleman is in our studio who I've been uh, very anxious to, to say hello to and have on this program. Uh, I met him, it must have been about 10, 15 years ago, and we've been playing his music uh, ever since. Uh, I first met him at the Puffin Foundation here in uh, Teaneck, New Jersey, where he uh, appeared with uh, his good friend, uh, which we're going to talk about in just a few moments. Uh, his name is George Mann, and George for years has been walking the walk, talking the talk, and uh, making music that matters. Uh, he's been very active in the labor movement uh, and social ac action, and he's recorded a number of great albums, including one that we've been playing in recent months called For the Road and the Sky, and I'm so happy he's here in our studio today. George, welcome to the show. Hi, Ron. It's so good to see you after all these years. Yeah. Appreciate, of course, the, the work you do to keep folk music out in front of the people, oh. and especially the music of folks like myself who don't really get heard on the big stations and on the commercial stations. It's shows like this that keep us oh. uh, in front of the people and, of course, keep us uh, happy to be out there playing music. <laughs> well, <laughs> well, thank you, and thank you for making music. For, gives me something to do on Sunday afternoons. Mm -hmm. <laughs> something to play. Well, there's a lot I want to talk to you about. I mean, you, you, your work has been uh, just uh, amazing. But before we begin, let's give our audience a little sample of your music. You got your guitar in hand. How about starting us off with a song? Sure. I'm going to sing you a song called I Blame the World. It's from my newest record, from the road, For the Road in the Sky. And it's a song, it's kind of about the folk world in a way. I mean, it's not, you know, don't take it literally, but... Uh, in some ways, I, I like to tell people, I could even see Donald Trump singing some of these lines uh, as he wanders the White House in his bathrobe all alone at night, you know, that kind of alienation that you sometimes feel as a folk singer and the struggle to make a, to make a living in this world, you know, as in the world of folk music. I blame the world. <laughs> Back at the start Just one voice And one guitar With the will to fight And an open heart Once again But now the rain Is coming down By my luck Run out in one more town With all the ghosts and the visions of what might have been I blame the world and I blame the times but I know 
that some of this is mine and I hope I'll have time to make amends so here I am back at the start thought by now I'd be a star instead I find oh that I'm too old to rock and roll Yeah, I blame the world I blame the times But I know I've got to own what's mine I've been building walls now I'm trying to take them down and so we start back at the end and as we part knowing we're still friends we'll go down that was found road again. George Mann and a song called I Blame the World, live in our studios on this uh, rather hot Sunday afternoon. It's getting hotter by the moment with this great music. Thanks, George, for starting us off with that one. And uh, yeah, wow, that you know, it says a lot, I guess, about you. It's sort of biographical, I assume. You know, about- well, yes, but as as I try to, when I introduce it to the audience, I try to say, don't take this one literally. You <laughs> okay. Know? Um, uh, I, I I've written a few songs about the folk music world, so to speak, or the the uh, the troubles of it. And I think we'll play one uh, towards the end right. of the show too, a uh, uh, folk singer in America, and and that one, um, I, I know the direct inspiration when I wrote that. I was thinking about Bill Morrissey, actually, mm-hmm. a great artist who I didn't know while he was alive, but uh, I learned uh, of his music after his death, and uh, and just the struggles to uh, to make it. You know, the danger. Utah Phillips talked about this all uh, many times, and he gave me uh, many good lessons. And one of them was, you know, he says you gotta, there's, you know, you basically gotta to live and to make a living in this world. You gotta, you gotta. It's like a three-legged stool, he said. You've got to know the work. You've got to be able to present it well and the history of these songs and where they come from. You've got to be able to deal with the struggles of the road, the dangers of the road. Not just the drugs, the alcohol, the late nights, all that, but, you know, the car crashes, the, yeah. the deer. You know, <laughs> I know a couple of friends who have hit deer recently, of course, on the highway. Joe Jenks being one of them in recent years, right, you know. Right. Um, and, uh, and of course, uh, and be able to, to deal with that, the alienation from family, the different bed every night, you know. You know, we don't stay in four-star hotels generally <laughs> in the folk world, you know. And then lastly, of course, is that the business sense. The third leg of that stool is is uh, having a business plan and a way to make a living doing this, especially in these changing times. Sure. You know, the folk music is, sadly, it's not. It, it, you know, people are dying, and there's not a lot of new people coming in to, to replace uh, the listeners nor the, the players, for that matter. Well, I, I, I do see a lot of young people coming in, but I don't see a lot of young coming in making the music. I don't see the young people coming in listening to it. That's 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 the thing, and it gets it gets hard. And it, it's also you know someone like yourself who's been socially active, 
uh, you've been involved with the labor movement. I mean, you had um, during the Bush administration the Hail to the Thief series of Four CDs. CDs yeah, we, we didn't uh, plan on it that way. But, uh, <laughs> too much material. But uh, it, it, it's difficult to be political and be uh, and to make a living doing this. Are you finding it harder nowadays because of the changing times? Uh, well, not these days. Um, to be honest, the majority of my income comes from singing for nursing and senior citizens' homes and church concerts, like I did a, mm-hmm. a UU church this morning. And um, the politics, you don't really bring them in that yeah. much in those. Right. But in the folk world, when I travel, when I tour Australia, the West Coast, of course, concerts here on the East Coast, uh, and, and a little bit in the Midwest, um, you're singing to the choir. So, you know, you know, there's not a lot of right-wing Republicans come to the folk concerts, right. if you know what I mean. They, they prefer country music, as we say, right? Um, so I think, if anything, um, the change in administration is going to reawaken the creativity of all these political artists. Because, you know, uh, during the Obama years, I mean, there were things to criticize, sure. But, I mean, there wasn't a lot of people writing songs against him mm-hmm. uh, or against uh, his issues. He was, well, especially compared to what we've seen before and what we've seen after, he was pretty good in the end, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, he was a decent man, and, uh, and he did a good job of writing this country after you know, the, the near collapse of, of the Bush-Cheney years. So um, while the folk music world might be shrinking, I don't think it's, it's necessarily shrinking for those of us who tend to be a little more political, right. as some of us are. You know who we're yeah. talking about. Oh, like sure. Roy Zimmerman and Magpie and yeah. Charlie David King. Rovix and David Rovix. David yeah. Rovix, yeah. It, it, I know from, from hosting this radio show, for I, this, I started this in 1980, and I, I have seen listeners complain more about the music I've been playing. Um, you mean the political stuff? The political stuff, yeah. yeah. So, uh, uh, you know, I, I always felt that folk music reflects a community. Um, and, you know, and, and what you were saying about Obama, I kind of wish there were more songs about some of those issues that mm. uh, we didn't always see eye to eye on with him as well. Because yeah. I think that, that kind of paints a different picture. But uh, I was just wondering for you as, a, as an artist performing, I guess you are, as you said, you're preaching to the choir. But do you ever have audiences complain no no we were talking about this the other day uh the last night at at the concert i was doing at long island a house concert um i I won't name the artist but uh, i saw him uh, a well-known folk artist posted something on facebook you might remember about a week or two ago you know to the couple that walked out when i sang my anti-trump song you know no refunds you know whatever um i remember when i sang with julius my singing partner uh, he died about seven years ago at 93 but he was a the first guy I did a lot of folk music with in the late 90s and early 2000s and, and produced all those anti-Bush CDs during the, the Bush years. Um, occasionally, there'd be a person or two would walk out after a couple of songs when we stopped singing Woody Guthrie and started singing anti-Bush songs, you know. <laughs> uh, but it was very rare. I yeah. mean, and, and it is rare. And, 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 you know, if you're coming to a folk concert... I don't think you should expect to agree with everything that singer says anyway. Mm-hmm. I mean, you might be pro-death penalty, you might be anti-choice, and if they happen to be, most folk singers, of course, are the opposite of that, are, are pro-choice and anti-death penalty. Um, so that's what this beautiful country is all about. That's what people have fought for, to preserve freedom of speech and freedom of expression. Um, so I think I don't think it's a, it's it's not a big problem. I don't believe right now. Mm-hmm. I haven't heard of it being a big problem. And as uh, as I said, I think mo- all of my friends who are doing this kind of work, you know, we play for fifty, sixty people a night on a good night, maybe more. Uh, they're all folk music lovers, and they right. come from that tradition of listening to Pete Seeger and Woody Guthrie and Utah Phillips and Odette and Joan Baez. You know, uh, they know that these people didn't put their politics in check. They didn't care about whether their next song might get them cut from the radio station or a canceled concert. They sang these songs because they believed in the power of music 
to change views and, of course, to change history, as we mm -hmm. know what some of our greatest songs have done that. That's, that's absolutely true, and uh, we'll see what the future may bring for us all. George Mann is with us in the studio today, and, uh, George, we, we, I, I mentioned that you, you know, have been doing this for, for quite a while, but well, let's tell us a little about your, your background. Where, you grew up in, in, in the South? Well, in no, North? New York City, New Long York City? Island. Oh, I was I born, thought, I started on Long Island, actually. I thought you were from the West Coast. No, no, know. no. I don't know where we got that, uh, but we haven't seen each other in many years. It's been but a while, I, right. No, I, I grew up on uh, Long Island, New York City. I lived in New York City for 14 years. I was a union organizer for many years. Um, I'll tell you this story, Ron. It's like, unlike most of the people in the folk world, I started the other, I went, I went the other route. I always was making music from the time I was a teenager. I was writing songs. I had rock and roll albums from the 90s. You don't want to hear them. <laughs> I can't even hit those notes anymore, you know? Um, but um, but I, I kind of put career first uh, at a certain point in my life. Not that I made that choice deliberately, but I, I graduated with a master's degree in 1992 in the middle of a union battle for the graduate student employees for SUNY, State University of New York. That was an eight-year battle to wow. get the union in there. And uh, I became a union organizer at 29 years old. And then I went into the musicians' union. I got hired by Local 802 New York City. And I worked for six years for them. So it opened a whole new life to me. I, I was trained to be a journalist and an editor, and I did work in that field in my 20s. Um, but, uh, but the labor movement is what brought me, not to Pete Seeger because I knew his work, but brought me to the labor music of Pete Seeger, to the labor music of Woody Guthrie, brought me to Utah Phillips, who I did not know of prior to around 1997-98. And, and of course, you know, now, of course, don't mind saying he was one of my greatest influences and certainly uh, a, a great mentor and friend to me in the last five, six years of his mm -hmm. life. And he was involved in many of the productions. To this day, we put a song of his on every record we make to keep Utah's work alive, including the new albums. Yeah, in fact, why don't we play that song that's on, on the new album? Uh, again, your new CD is called For the Road in the Sky, and this has always been one of my, my favorite songs, Across the Great Divide. Okay, well, wait, that's, oh. that's not Utah, though. Oh, it's not, I'm sorry. Right, right. I'm thinking, Utah's song is Rock Me to Sleep. Uh, okay. <laughs> uh, but, but we were talking about this before we went on air. You're, that's what confused That's it. Uh, there we go. It's a Kate Wolf song. Okay, right, but, right, but, right. But, right. of course, Kate Wolf was instrumental in helping Utah get to that next step. Right. Last years of her life, she was touring with Utah, and she even asked him to do her last tour when she was too sick to tour in 1985, I think it was. And Utah owed her a lot, and he always repaid that favor. And so um, on this new album, I put one of her songs, this song, right next to one of Utah's, Rock Me to Sleep, to kind of remind people of their friendship and, uh, and the beautiful work that they've left us. Okay, here's George Mann singing Kate Wolf's <laughs> Across the Great Divide. been walking in my sleep Counting troubles instead of counting sheep Where the years went, I can't say I just turned around and I've gone away And I've been sifting through the layers of dusty books and faded papers to tell a story I used to know, and it was one that happened 
so long ago It's gone away And yesterday And now I find myself on the mountainside Where the rivers change direction Across the great divide And I've heard the owl calling softly as the night was falling with a question and I replied but he's gone across the borderline he's gone away and yesterday now I find myself on the mountainside Where the rivers change direction Across the great divide George Mann, and a cut from his new CD for, for The Road in the Sky, and that's Kate Wolf's Across the Great Divide. I don't know why, while well, we were talking about <laughs> Utah Philo's Afford. No, it could have. It's such a beautiful <laughs> song. Such a beautiful song. And then you did such a nice recording of that. Who, who was performing with you on well, that? Well, um, like most folk musicians, I can't tour with a band. Um, I've got some wonderful musicians up in Ithaca that work with me on my records. Um, the basic core is uh, Michael Wellen on drums, Doug Robinson on bass and harmonies and a little bit of guitar. And that's uh, the Annie, Annie and Marie Burns of the Burns Sisters singing harmonies mm -hmm. on that one. And, of course, my friend Judy Hyman from The Horseflies playing oh, fiddle. She's very a nice. fantastic fiddler. And I used her on an album about five years ago on the Patience in These Times album, and, and I got her back for three songs on the new record. So, mm -hmm. um, yeah, as I said, I, I love working with other musicians to realize what I hear when I write a song. Um, but, of course, in concert, it's generally me and the acoustic guitar and a little bit of harmonica, you know. 
um, just can't afford to bring people on the road. Sure, you know, of course. Not at this level. You know? <laughs> Someday when I'm famous. Someday. No. <laughs> we'll, we'll get you there. We'll get yeah, you there. <laughs> but, but so, so my, and, I, and I record in a beautiful old church. Uh, uh, it's a church just outside of Ithaca. Wilberland, it's called. Uh -huh. Wilberland Studios. And Will Russell is a great friend and great producer. He works with Joe Crookston. He's worked with Pat Wichter and a lot of the people in the folk world, yeah. including the Horseflies and the Burn Sisters and the... So, um, yeah, I finished that album in October. At the same time, I was putting together an album of songs about war and veterans, another collection that I, I know we're going to touch on, too. Yes. In fact, um, we're going we're gonna to talk about this in just one moment, but uh, I just want to remind our listeners that they're listening to, I, I, well, normally you'd be listening to 89.1, but today you're just listening online at WFDU.FM. And don't forget, the show is also heard every Saturday night at 6.30 p.m. Eastern Time on bluesandrootsradio.com. And you can write to us at WFDU Traditions at AOL.com. George Mann is with me in the studio today. And uh, George is, uh, well, he's got two CDs out that they came out. Both of them came out last fall. Um, the, uh, the one we're about to talk about is a collection called Until You Come Home, Songs to Heal the Wounds of War. Tell us how this one came to be. Well, it... It's actually the second one under that title. I produced one seven years ago called Until You Come Home with the subtitle was uh, Songs for Veterans and Their Kin. And uh, you know, Ron, I, I've done work with veterans' homes and nursing homes for many years. Um, when we first made the first one seven years ago, it was a direct response to hearing about the, um, the Welcome Home Project. Veterans for Peace are involved in this. It's a, an organization out in uh, the West Coast. And what they did is they produced a film called The Welcome and a book called Voices of Vets where they brought a bunch of young veterans together. This is back in 2008. And they spent a week together kind of dealing with what they were experiencing, their PTSD, their trauma. Their family members were there. And there were Vietnam veterans there, among them a friend of mine, Dan Shea, a great, great activist for Veterans for Peace out in Portland, Oregon, and a poet. And they wrote about their stuff. And they talked about their experiences. And the Vietnam vets were there to tell these younger folks, these younger veterans that They'd been living with this stuff for 40 years. And I read the, the they, Dan gave me a copy of the book, and, and at the end of that week, they had written all these poet, poems, and they presented them in a public concert on Memorial Day 2008 out in Ashland, Oregon. And um, the power of some of the words of those veterans um, led me to write a song, uh, and then, of course, made me decide that I wanted to make an album. And I saw that they were doing healing work through poetry and film. Uh, I thought, why not music? Um, and of course, ninety-nine percent of us on the le on the folk world are, are to the left of center, right? And most of us are against war. But we, I didn't want to put out uh, an album that would alienate the very people right. we're trying to help. So, as usual, just like when I produced the Hail to the Thief compilations, I put the word out through the folk world, and I knew some of the songs already I wanted from some of the artists I knew had songs on that these topics about what war does to human beings. And I got, I don't think, 70, 80 songs submitted, you know. And, of course, you have to sit down and audition every one of them and, and decide what's going to make a good album and try to make a good album, an album that flows. Well, that was seven years ago. And um, I've continued doing a lot of work with veterans seven years later. Of course, we're still seeing the, the wounds of the Afghanistan and Iraq campaigns. Um, and we will for many decades to come. I sing in the psych wards where I see kids in their 20s and men and women as old as you and me or older. Mm -hmm. who are breaking down because of what they, they've seen and done in, in, in war. And so uh, last year, it was partly because I knew that it wasn't being addressed, the issue of PTSD. I mean, we're hearing a lot more about it, but there's so much of this 
uh, going untreated among our veterans, and their family members suffer too. So um, I was starting to hear songs by other people that I really loved that were on this topic like Magpie, like David Rovix, like Charlie King, songs I knew and admired. Roy Zimmerman has a great song on, on this album, Thanks for the Support. Mm -hmm. And so I started talking to my friends about it and said, I want to make another one. I had half the album already chosen just from the friends uh, I know in the folk world. And I wanted Utah Phillips' great piece about Korea yes. that he did with Ani DeFranco. Too long to play here. It's eight minutes long, but it's a powerful story about his experiences in the Korea, at the end of the Korean War and why how that turned him into the man he was and the pacifist he was. Uh, so again, I put out the call and another 50 or 60 rolled in, songs rolled in, and I made a, a an album last fall of songs that, as I, I know in these days, people don't listen to albums top to bottom anymore, you know, but I just always say to somebody when they buy it, I hope you can take the well, 57 minutes or whatever the <laughs> album's like this and just listen top to bottom and see if it tells a story and that it helps to raise awareness uh, among the 98% of us or 95% mm -hmm. of us who have never served, let alone served in combat, and, uh, and hopefully bring some comfort to those who, who are experiencing these things. Often what will happen is somebody will buy the record not for themselves. At my concerts, they'll say, I got a brother, I got a neighbor, I got a friend. I want them to have this. So, um, so the goal of the Until You Come Home project is to kind of say, look, this is folk music, but these are beautiful songs about... about human suffering and, and again not just the soldiers themselves I mean the family members those on the other side who are affected um, the guilt that that people have about what they do in combat and what they see done to innocence or you know collateral people collateral damage as they call it all of that affects people in ways that you and I'll never know and never understand mm -hmm. um, so the, what we can try as musicians to do is bring some comfort and let them know we're thinking of them Absolutely. through these songs. And there's some beautiful songs. Joe Crookston, Joe Jenks, uh, David Rovix, Charlie King, they all have great songs. But my friends, Magpie, yeah. uh, we're going to play their song, right? Where have they all gone? And Magpie, Greg and Terry have been doing this work for almost 45 years. Um, talk about people who just really are in social justice, fully invested. They sing songs about race and civil rights and the struggle for equality. They sing songs and write songs about the environment. They've got this brand new album coming out soon. All songs from the IWW and Joe Hill, mostly songs about workers. And that came out of the work that, that they did with me two years ago on the Joe Hill tour. They got inspired to make another album of labor songs. So we're going to hear this song of theirs called Where Have They All Gone? And it's one that they recorded just for this project. It's not on any of their albums. of the powerful to kill for you and me where are their lonely coffins draped with our country's flag where are the ones on stretchers and in black body bags can we ever know the 
that they have paid Someone else's barter Their loyalty betrayed Where have they all gone? The ones who lost a leg, a hand Their young life forever altered In a far-off oil-rich land Once forever haunted by the horrors they have seen Is this the price of liberty? Just what does freedom mean? Can we ever know? The price that they have paid For someone else's barter Their loyalty betrayed Why does Our Lady Liberty Stand trembling in fear Deaf and blind and silent She won't speak or see or hear They hide from us the suffering The agony, the pain They hide from us the violence That they do in our name Among the suffering innocent Are many thousands more The widow and the orphan Will bear the lifelong toll The bloody stain of corporate gain Forever scars our soul Can we ever know Someone else's barter Our loyalty betrayed Our loyalty betrayed And that's Magpie. What a, what a powerful song. That is from the uh, collection that George Mann put together called Until You Come Home, Songs to Heal the Wounds of War. The song, by the way, is called Where Have They All Gone? And I understand it's only available on this CD. That song, yes. They've got a brand new album coming out, uh, but it's all labor songs and mostly Joe Hill songs, songs that they, they fell in love with and songs they've written. Uh-huh. Um, you know, we had a great time in 2015. You know, We did four legs all over the country to honor Joe Hill on the 100th anniversary of his death. The IWW put together, and I was on two of those legs, the East Coast leg with Charlie King and Magpie and the West Coast leg with uh, David Rovix and Chris Chandler as the core, and we would have uh, supplemental guests in each city where we had labor choruses or other singers. But Charlie and Magpie and I, Charlie King and Magpie and I, did 10 shows of the 11 together, uh, and we just had a great time. And 
and it reawakened in, in Greg and Terry, they said, uh, a real interest in bringing these songs to the people again. Uh, so this new album they got coming out soon is going to be out by Labor Day. Oh, nice. Uh, some beautiful songs. But that one they recorded just for this project. Oh, that's sweet. Yeah. Some some great songs on there. As you mentioned before, people like like uh, Charlie King, who also has a great new CD out that came out yes, earlier this Charlie year. Yes, Charlie just released a new CD um, too. Yes. Utah Phillips and Ani DeFranco, John Gorka, David Rovix, uh, so many others, uh, Roy Zimmerman. Um, but you also have a song on there too. Well, as producer, I get two songs on you the do. record. Okay. <laughs> you deserve <laughs> that's, it. That's the only perk I give myself. You might, I mean, when we promote these, I always tell the artists, I say, we do everything as fairly as possible. Uh, I'll lay the money out to make the record. You just give me the song. And, uh, and we promote everybody, you know, alphabetically, generally, you know. So right. man is in the middle. <laughs> Last name, man. But, um, but, yeah, but this is one of the songs uh, that's on both my solo album and, and, of course, on the new record. It's called Johnny's Coming Home. And it's a song about Australian war vets, you know, in Vietnam. I heard this story about Vietnam vets who, uh, in a small town, Mount Kembla, Port Kembla, it's about an hour and a half south of Sydney, and I've been touring there for seven years. I go there every year, spend a lot of time in that area. And um, there was a mine explosion in 1897, and that mine was sealed, but the cave, you know, the tunnels were still there. They say that after World War I, some of the Aussie vets came home from Gallipoli. They couldn't live in town because hmm. of their PTSD. They lived in those caves. And those caves got eventually abandoned, you know, years and years later. And kids would play in them, go drinking or smoking cigarettes in the 50s and 60s. But then after Vietnam, those caves got repopulated uh -huh. by young... Australia sent 60,000 men to, yeah. to Vietnam and 500, more than 500 were killed. Huh. Um, so, so hearing that, uh, the the thing that really spurred me when I was, and, and you know when you write a song, this was a one morning song, Ron. I woke up that morning, I did about two hours research, I talked to a couple of my Aussie friends, and the song was done by noon. Uh, and I walked away from it by noon, and uh, I'm really lucky when that thing when that happens. I don't, you know, it doesn't happen all the time. But um, what struck me and got me writing this was I was reading a little bit about it. They said they rushed to war in the late '60s. And they didn't have a draft set up. So what they did in many of the small towns in Australia was they put numbered marbles with your birth date, 1 to 31, in a Tattersells barrel. Tattersells is the big company that runs all the gambling and lotteries in Australia. <laughs> and instead of winning a prize, you picked your number and you found out if you were going to war. Wow. And I just thought that was so perverse. Yeah. Um, and how tragic that, that because they were they had no mechanism set up in the small towns of Australia to administer a draft. So uh, there's a line in there about that. that they put you know they drew marbles from a tap Tattersells barrel and then they went off to fight or die. Mm -hmm. um, some of my and I have a friend who was a, a veteran from Vietnam. He didn't go there, but he served as a as a medic treating those coming home. And he says uh, some of these people he knew didn't make it back for 30 years or more before they could show their face again. So this song is about one of those guys. It's called Johnny's Coming Home. Went off to serve in Vietnam So many years since he's been gone And awaited Waited all of this time I stayed at home Fought against that wall Once on the news I thought I saw him marching Marching in the Anzac lines 
and I cried. Johnny's coming home. Tossed into an American wall, they drew marbles from a tattered sales barrel, then they went off to fight. Some went off to die. We tried hard just to save our sons, but for all of those boys, it had just begun. And it lingered and hung like dead fruit on the vine. Still I cried. Johnny's coming home. I pray Johnny's coming home Next I knew it was 73 A letter came said Forget about me I'm not the man you'd want me to be For 40 years I kept hoping we'd meet I'd see so many ghosts shuffling down the street I kept turning my head For a glimpse of that face so sweet And I cried Johnny won't you come home And I Johnny, won't you come home? And I know you still feel ashamed But I know you boys aren't to blame Just yesterday I was sweeping the floor a soft knock came on my front door An old man standing there As I opened it wide Well, it fell in my arms as the tears rolled down And it hung on so tight as it swung me around And I said, welcome home Won't you please come inside And I cried Johnny, you've come home After all this time Johnny, you've come home Powerful song. Well, this guy, one, this one made it home. Yeah, one of oh, you, you know? well, it's, it's good to hear that. But, um, but yeah, so I hear yeah. stories, and and that helps. You know, I mean, you know, uh, I, I don't get inspired to write maybe you know half a dozen songs a year. Yeah. I'm not not cranking out the hits, you know. Uh, and right now, as I said, I'm just beginning to start work on new songs for what'll be an album in a year or so mm -hmm. from now. I won't even probably be recording till early next year, or maybe at the end of this year. Well, this was an amazing project, and uh, you know, you were talking before, uh, we were talking about sometimes preaching to the choir, but sometimes that choir needs to be taught a lesson, too, and learn about things, well, and, and, and PTSD, as you said before, it really was a, not 
something a lot of people were discussing. Yeah. Well, not only that, um, the idea that people who serve are human beings, too. Yes. I mean, you know, before I started singing in veterans' homes and, and having contact with veterans, especially veterans who were active in the struggles for peace, uh, but, but even just seeing veterans who are not politically mm -hmm. left, um, I always treated them, you know, kind of at a distance, you know. Mm -hmm. I mean, if they didn't serve, if they didn't fight, if they made the generals and the bankers fight, we'd have no wars, right? Uh, if the rich people's kids had to go to war instead of the poor people's kids, you wouldn't be seeing uh, all these people dying and in, in, in hospitals, you know. But um, but as I got used to playing and working with Julius Marglin, who was a World War II veteran, he served in the Merchant Marine, we started singing in veterans' homes way back in 2002, 2003, um, uh, right after the war started. And going in there, and, and of course, and we get away with blowing in the wind, or if I had a <laughs> hammer, you know, or this land is your land, but not singing, you know, the anti-Bush songs that we were doing in the outside world, you know. But, uh, but I, as I got to know them and, and, and break down that barrier, they're not in uniform anymore, you know. Right. They're, they're dressed in pajamas or T-shirts yeah. as they live in their homes. And, and you hear stories from, from, from men of, of compassion, of friendship, of fellowship. Um, and, and, of course, meeting even women who served in World War II were in the, these nursing, in the veterans' homes, you know. Um, some of the, the, the women I, I know the best over the years are women who've served. Uh, in World War II, as nurses, in, you know, in the front line, so to speak, mm -hmm. in, the, in the medical tents, you know. So uh, you realize that there but for the grace of somebody, you know, God right. or whoever you believe in, go I. And you realize that, well, even if you don't have the same political viewpoint as them, we're still people. We're still Absolutely. human beings. We can relate on so many other issues, even if we can disagree on politics. i got a good friend named Larry. He's a fairly young veteran. I've known him for over a year and a half, and I follow him now. He's moved to another home, and he moved to another home I'm singing in, you know, Veterans Home. And he's right-wing. He's pro-Trump. I mean, we, we don't talk about that stuff too much, <laughs> but we can josh each other about it, you know. And, uh, and you learn that, you know. At the same time, I'll tell you a quick story. I mean, there's a veteran. You know, I haven't been out there since last fall. He's out in Oregon in one of the veterans' homes. He's got Agent Orange poisoning, and uh, I've known him for 15 years, and he's still alive, but he's... Who knows how much more time he has. Mm. But uh, one of the great joys of my life was in 2011 telling Pete Seeger about this man. Because he, he, he knew, he loved this guy, loves Where Have All the Flowers Gone. He's told me, I told him I was going to be at a concert that Pete was singing at. This was the benefit for Ann Feeney in 2011. I was singing there too. And, and he said, oh, can you please tell Pete how much that song <laughs> meant to me? Can you get a photo and an autograph? Uh, I said, no, I can't do that. But... Uh, but uh, I took his picture and I brought it to Pete and told him backstage about this man who said, Pete, if it wasn't for that song, I would have cracked up. Uh, we sang that to ourselves in the foxholes to keep ourselves calm in between battles at night, you know. And, um, and yet he's, again, very politically different from me, but he has this incredible love for the folk music of the 60s. And particularly, yeah. while he doesn't love Pete's politics, and he would tell me that, he'd say, I love what he did for us right. and the music he brought. And, and the one common thing is that we all not only want peace, but we all want this country to be protected and uh, and and then fight. We just have a good different fight. visions of how exactly. to go about it, exactly. And of course, and and, um, and different visions or different uh, opinions on what the leaders have done. Exactly. And, and the sad part of it, of course, is that most of them have never been 
mm-hmm. in the position of having to make decisions about life and death. Right. And all of a sudden, they're making decisions that affect hundreds of thousands of people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so that all that damage that I see, Ron. It's. I mean, I tell you, it's good to get away from it too, and that's one of the reasons I like going on the road. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm doing a four week tour in the fall. fall you know, West Coast and Hawaii, and and some concerts in the Midwest with Magpie and Charlie King. That'll give me four weeks away from it because um. It, it takes a toll on you. It does. It's emotionally draining. And, you know, every week, you know, you see people, you go there and they're not there anymore. Sure. You, know? yeah, you see right. their names on the list, the honor roll of dead yeah. who died last week. And you don't get to say goodbye often, you mm. know. Um, and then uh, other times you do. Sometimes you're there when they're in their last day. And the family's there and you go in and you sing a little and you say goodbye to an old mm-hmm. soldier that you've known for many years. I've done this many, many times and it's a, it can be very draining, like I said. I so it's one, that's why I kind of mix it up. Like I yeah. said, uh, I'll do two or three months of, of work at home in Ithaca and around there and I'll do a tour or two. You know, well, that's typically what I do. Well, congratulations and thank you for putting this project together. And you have a website too, uh, untilyoucomehome.com. Yeah, it's which... got its own website for mm-hmm. the albums. The, both albums are there and there's a lot of the videos. People can check the music out for free, of course. Um, I think eight of the 13 songs on the new album have videos from the artists that we accompanied. We put on a videos page. So until you come home.com is the, the site for that. And my website where you find my you know tour dates, uh, orphan page about all my albums is georgeman.org. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, georgeman.org. Well, George, you've done some amazing things, and you, you mentioned Julius. Uh, let's talk about him a little bit uh, before we, we have to, to conclude today, because you, you did a, uh, you were not only good friends, recorded together, but you also um, did a documentary Made about a Julius. About After, him. Yeah, yeah, Julius Margolin. Tell, Julius tell. Margolin. He was uh, 79 when I met him. He, uh, he was a late bloomer. He started writing songs in his late 70s. He was a member of the New York City Labor Chorus and recruited me to them. But I met him at a labor conference in 1996, and... Uh, Immediately, I saw this was a diamond in the rough, Ron. He he, mm-hmm. he 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 was humble. He was knowledgeable. He was intelligent. He was charming. He was five foot nothing and 102 pounds <laughs> when I met him. I uh, never weighed more than 112 pounds in his life, according to him. He'd been a merchant marine seaman in World War II, uh, served for seven years from 1940 to 47. Mm. And the FBI pulled his papers and said he was a threat to our country because he was a red, wow. and he was a union organizer and a radical, you know. And he survived the blacklist, became a film electrician. Among other things, he worked on Alice's Restaurant. Oh, really? He worked on 12 Angry Men. He worked on The Hustler. Uh, he worked on Long Day's Journey to Night. He worked on some big films as a film electrician. Uh, but then he retired and kept active in his union, and he started singing and writing songs. And uh, it took me about a year or two to convince him that he could do this. And at 81, he started recording his first album with me. And we made three albums together and produced uh, the four anti-Bush compilations uh, that we had songs on and other great artists did too, the Hail to the Thief series. Um, And then as he was getting into his 90s, towards the end of his life, uh, he had cancer, he had leukemia, he fought it off. I said, we got to make a movie about you, Julius. I want people to know about you. And he said, George, the only way I'll let you make a movie about me is if you don't laud me. I want it to be educational. <laughs> he said, uh, I said, okay, Julius, well, then I'll let you make final decisions on any you know, scenes that you think are too lauding, laudatory. You know? So we made a documentary about his life, and we were able to finish that just about a year before he died. Uh-huh. He died in 2009. I think about him. You know, he and Utah and Faith Petrick are three of my, you know, biggest mentors, biggest mentors in my life. I didn't know Pete Seeger that well, uh, but of course learned a lot from Pete and was able to sing with him a few times and and, and work uh, on a record that we produced that that honored Pete towards the end of his life. But Julius was just one of a kind. 
he uh and again you just google julius margolin on youtube you'll find videos of him there's videos of him talking from the movie a couple of clips of the from the film and um he was a he was somebody who learned very easily um what what, what pete seeger and, and Woody guthrie preached anybody can write a difficult song but to write a song that's simple and keeps it, it, it sticks in people's heads that's a real challenge and that's a challenge as, as workers and as as laborers that that we have is to 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 deal with these issues and write songs that keep them in front of the people's eyes but also have a hook and can yeah. sing along to like you know that's... so uh, so he was a great guy and i miss him terribly uh... and uh you know, I still think about him a lot, and uh, you know, as I said, uh, I wrote him a song when he was right before he died called "Welcome Home." That was on the first Veterans compilation, and uh, he just was a—he was a, a genuine spirit. He, 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 a loving spirit, a caring spirit, and, and one of the most humble people I'd ever met. Well, I, I can see that that has rubbed off on you too, because you've your work I admired greatly because you you, you help us connect with the past. You talk about the issues of today, and. Uh, yeah, you know, I guess before we leave, I should ask you. You mentioned a tour coming up. What what else does the future bring for George Band? Well, uh, for the next couple of months, primarily, I'm just doing work up in Ithaca with the nursing and veterans homes. Um, the Great Labor Arts Exchange in two weeks is the festival where I met Julius. Is a gathering of labor folk artists, Charlie King, Ann Feeney, and others will be there. Ten labor courses from around the nation, including the Solidarity Singers of the New Jersey Industrial Council and the New York City Labor Course, which I sang in. That's uh, June 22nd to 24th down in uh, just outside Washington D.C. Um, I'm starting to put together a tour for September. I'll be in Oregon. California, Hawaii, and then some dates with Magpie uh, weekend in, uh, in Ohio and Buffalo on the way back. Mm -hmm. uh, and then I'm already starting to plan next year's tour to Australia and possibly a week in New Zealand. We're working on that now. Because, nice. uh, you know, it's a whole separate country and a different work permit and everything. It's a whole different... I have to make the connections there. But, uh, but uh, I'll be over in Australia for about three weeks in January, February, and hopefully a week in New Zealand. Um, I won't be recording until next year, most likely. I you know, usually go about a year and a half, two years right. between records. So I'm just at that process now. I'm upgrading my home recording setup. I got a, a used Mac, but I'm, <laughs> I switched over to Macintosh, Apple, and, uh, and I'm ready to go and start recording the new songs in, in another few months. Excellent. Well, we look forward to, to seeing what the future brings from you, George. And uh, I want to thank you for coming by today and sharing some great music, some important music, and some, some important information as well. Uh, where can our listeners find out? What's your what's your website? Yeah, georgeman.org is where you can reach me. And, of course, you can email me. There's a link there. My email is just george at georgeman.org if you have questions. Uh, and that's man uh, with two N's. Two N's, right, right. And, uh, and again, you can find most of my songs are on YouTube now. There's tons of videos and streaming audio. And, uh, you know, you just go to any of those commercial sites, you know, like Amazon or whatever, and they <laughs> all have it up there, too, iTunes. And, uh, but, um, but as I said, it's a... Uh, I appreciate that you take the time to have artists like me here and that you continue to keep the, the, the tradition, no pun intended, of folk music alive. Because while we all love those universally known folk songs, the genre of political folk is a, a little more of a narrower, you know, a smaller mm -hmm. corner there that we're in. And uh, it's not easy to, to get this work out or to, uh, to get it heard. So I appreciate that as always, Ron. Oh, my Glad pleasure. to see you after all these years again. I hope it will yeah. be the 12 years again before we no, talk to each other again. Don't be a stranger. Let's, as soon as that album comes out, I want to see you back here in our studio. Thanks again. And uh, we'll, we're going to end up our little uh, visit today with uh, a cut from your album, Portraits, a folk singer in America. Tell us, introduce this one for us. Yeah, yeah. Well, well the funny thing is, uh, the last three albums I've made, I basically get to the point where the album's done, and then I write one more song. And the first song I sang today, uh, I Blame the World, was the last song written for the new record. And Focusing in America was the same thing. Uh, what happened was, 
the album was done. I felt I needed one more song. And uh, what I did was I put a little boom chuck, boom chuck drum machine beat going. And I thought it would be kind of funny because folk music isn't supposed to be played with drum <laughs> machines. But I wrote this song called, and again, it's, I was singing about Bill Morrissey and all the struggles of, of folk singers trying to make a living doing it. So it's not necessarily autobiographical, though you can see parts of me in it. Okay, George, thanks. man, thanks for coming by.
That's George Mann, a folk singer in America. It is a tough job. I want to say it's also a tough job being a folk DJ in America, but thanks to listeners like you, we're we're doing well. I'm Ron Alesco. This is Traditions on WFUFM and bluesandrootsradio.com. So I hope you're enjoying the program, and don't forget to write to us, wftutraditions at aol.com. We've got another hour in our program today, and we're also going to give away those tickets to the Old Songs Festival.